0: Right. So then we moved here when he was like end of four or five. He was already reading. And, you know, instead of that being kind of a praise thing, the response that we got from teachers was
1: like, oh, what's wrong? You know, what's wrong with them? Or what did you do? Have you ever thought about what would happen if you picked up and moved to another country? But then you had to send your kids to school in a system, language and culture that's different from your own. Maybe you've even done that yourself as a child or a parent. And today you're going to learn what it's like in Denmark for two non-Danish parents who are sending their kids to school in a brand new country. You're listening to What Are You Doing in Denmark, the podcast that helps you make Denmark make sense. And I'm your host, Derek.
2: And I'm your co-host, Mike. And the two of us have been in Denmark since 2017. And along that time, we've experienced all the ups and downs and joys and challenges of living abroad in Denmark. And today we're going to share an interview we did with two fellow foreigners who are living here in Denmark. Today we are excited to be joined by two awesome people who are living here in Copenhagen with us. We have Adrian McKinder, originally from the UK, Annie Samples, originally from the US. And today we're going to talk about the differences between schooling in our homelands, the UK and the US, and now in Denmark. So maybe to start with you, Adrian, what has been your experience growing up? What would you say is the classic hallmarks of a UK education? I should say as a caveat, I went to a private
3: school, Fair. And a very old school. So I basically went to Hogwarts, <laughs> um, but no wizards. Uh, the classic hallmarks of an education when I was there was it was the basics of, you know, it was the reading, writing, arithmetic. Yeah. Um, there was very little pastoral care. It was about academic excellence, starting school at four the age of four, which I think is a crucial difference we might come on to later. Yeah. So it's being at school from the age of four till 18 mm-hmm. and then going off to university. Most people are done and dusted by university by 21 mm-hmm. out into the world.
0: Wow.
2: Now about you, Annie? So growing up in the U.S., yeah. kind of what was, what was your experience? I did not
0: go to a private school, but mm-hmm. I did go to a public school. Um, and I would say the big focus there was actually on standardized testing. Mm. I felt like that was such a core part of my education. All the way until graduating high school. And so, the, you know, the grade system in and of itself is so different compared to the U.K., compared to Denmark. Um, the way the schools are split up was so interesting. You know, I had that very classic American high school situation.
2: Now, Adrian, you have two younger children that are going through the Danish system now. Mm. What do you find are some of the main differences between their education and what you had at their same ages. They're they're what, roughly eight and five? They're eight and five. Yeah.
3: Um, the biggest challenge was actually the age when you start school here. Yeah. Um, and, and I find it mo- more challenging when I speak to my friends back home because you said, you start school at four. Mm-hmm. So my son started at seven. So I find it very odd that he's only just learning to read mm. and count and spell, and yet he's eight next month. Mm-hmm. And I also f- I do find that interesting when like he might be playing a video game or something that's, you know, and it's like, we well, he can't really play it on his own because I need to be able to read what's on mm-hmm. the screen for him. Whereas I look at m- the comparison is I- I'd already been reading for three years. Mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and writing and doing those things. I'm not saying I was, like, churning out novels. <laughs> sure. But, but, but <laughs> by the same token, I find that an odd one. And, it, and it's not saying that well, the way Danes do it is, is wrong. Mm. It's just that that's the, the culture clash that I find a Big bit time. of a challenge. The other thing is th- the schools here, they get your parent. The parents are much more actively involved. Mm. Uh, mm. My son goes to a small school uh, far end of Istanbul. Um And I find it very strange. They keep asking us to do things for the school you know <laughs> like help out and they do certain things and it's like oh really like yeah. there are days where the the parents come in and do a day as teachers
0: yeah 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 i just did that i always sign up why yeah. do i do that it's I, horrible yeah. <laughs> it's so overstimulating and i don't speak danish so well, well but no, now I, and now the kids are finally <clears throat> starting to speak english my kids are nine seven and then i've got a five-year-old as well and a one-year-old yeah what, so what it ma- thing! It makes a difference it's it? so interesting because you're saying you feel like the parent there's so much parent involvement here Whereas, you know, funding in the US for the schools is so horrible. The parents are doing even more. There's a whole parent teachers oh, association and they're like basically running the whole school. So I've been like, this is so relaxing compared to. So I guess what it's all relative, I, isn't, isn't it? It is. Well, you know, because yeah. my
3: school, because I think it was well funded because yeah. it was a Ooh. private school, yeah. it was very much, and also the age I'm at, it was very much you just dropped your kids off at school and said, bye bye. Yeah. And we'll see you at the end of the day. Ooh. And we mm-hmm. may or may not ask you how your day was. Yeah. Um, right. And so I think that that was the interesting tension. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes I feel like. Why, why am I? Why am I? Isn't and it's all. This is when I feel very British. I'm like, isn't this your job? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Aren't you being paid to do this? <laughs> yeah. Being paid quite well to do this. Um, I'm not saying that I, I don't agree with the principle of us being involved, but I've yeah. got a job it's to cozy. do. It's cozy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's the other thing. I've got <laughs> stuff to do. I can't take a day off work. <laughs> hmm. But
0: then going back to the what you were saying about uh, the reading, it's also based so much on the kids' personal preference, right, and just what they feel like doing. So my oldest son was quite determined to read at, like, I would say three, four years old, and he just taught himself. Right. So then we moved here when he was, like, end of four, five. He was already reading. And, you know, instead of that being kind of a praise thing, the response that we got from teachers was, like, uh, what's wrong? You know what's wrong with them, or what did you do? It was almost <laughs> like yeah, an accusatory, like.
3: Really? Did you make him? Yeah. Re- did you yeah. make him?
0: Did you force him to do this? And I was like, No, I promise, we didn't make him read. You know.
3: And that's a very good point. That is the personal preference. You yeah, know. Sure. My, my, yeah. My son doesn't have any particular interest in, in exactly. reading. I think um, he likes stories. He likes storytelling. He's, mm. he's conceptual, but he's not particularly interested in reading. I think my daughter is reading to us, even though she can't read. yeah, yeah. yeah she's, she's, she's only like four, but she's like telling us what's in the book. Right. So I no. think she will probably take to it a little totally. bit. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: My second son wasn't quite as interested in learning to read, and he's on the typical Danish track, and I just don't really bring that topic up with my American friends because there's so much emphasis placed on reading acquisition by four or five years old in the Mm. US which sounds like it's kind of similar. It's very, it's exactly the same and and I
3: think you're right to not bring it up because it just makes makes me feel a little bit, oh, not not that I should, I just can't help the fact that I'm from one culture and I hear my friends talk about their kids who are are doing X and Y at this age and it's Mm. like, you know, my Mm. son is still doing ABC. Mm. But it's it's a completely
2: different world and (coughs) so it's almost impossible to compare And, and Annie, your oldest did he start school in the U.S.?
0: He did not. So he was okay. going to like a little preschool program, Got maybe it. two days a week. So he started zero class. They're at a Danish school as well, speaking Danish and everything. So yeah, if my if anybody at home has a problem with the fact that my kids don't read, I'm like, well, do your kids also speak and read in Danish? You right. Know, like, <laughs> I have bilingual multiple, kids. Exactly. me You know, the experience in and of itself of moving and everything, I feel like it's been such a... Um, Supplemental experience And not that even That even that is necessary For kids who are Danish You know what I'm saying Maybe they aren't quite bilingual yet But um, But that's a challenge
3: And that also goes down To the personalities Because Mm. another thing we found Is my son For no reason at all Born and raised in Denmark Decided to lean into English Mm. That's his emotional language mm. to the extent that it was fine when he was at Bernerhound When he went into school, mm. it suddenly became problematic because there were no other international kids in his class because it was sure. so small. So he suddenly realized his Danish is not up to speed with his yep. peers. Yep. And so his confidence suffered from that and he challenged that. My daughter, again, because she's a different human being, mm. just flits effortlessly between the two and is actually more Danish wow. than English. So, so she'll speak more Danish at home. Yeah. I know oh. that this is my son's emotional language is English because when he's not with us or talking to his sister, he will never communicate in Danish. Just when he's talking to his sister, mm-hmm. and he f- and he said he feels more comfortable speaking yeah. in English. And your
0: partner is Danish. She's Danish. Okay, that's so interesting. So, uh, so that is yeah, you know, that's such a whole different factor as I, well. I, f-
3: I think it might have been because we speak English at home. Yeah. Sure. And to these, I mean, my wife said to me, "She said, I find it very weird if we started communicating in Danish because mm. that's our re- English is our relationship language because yeah. we met in England wow. and we lived in England together before we moved over. So she said it would be odd if we started speaking Danish because that's not the you I fell in love yeah. with." Oh, I was like, "Well, like that's a very nice way." Of, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. also a nice way of getting me off the hook. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah you're, you're like, but "Oh yes, Henry, yeah. of course." But, yes. but if, so I think that might <laughs> have been why him growing up in that environment, yeah. English was the, you know he watched just as much English TV, probably mm. more than Danish TV. Yeah, and so sure. then he watches Ramshang and stuff. But he gravitated towards stuff in. English that yep. was just how he f- how he's finding That's his path cool.
0: and it's going okay with his education it's and getting everything? better yeah and yeah. It was
3: a, it was a challenge, um, yeah. but uh, you can just see it's like you know you hear about people that move to a country age ten who didn't speak the language, but then they just learn to swim. Yeah, right. yeah. And y- he's his Danish. He, d- you know, all his friends at school are Danish, and so yeah, he speaks. To, he always understood everything because mm-hmm. he was born and raised yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's much better now. But it was an interesting challenge that we didn't see coming. We actually had a speech therapist oh. uh, assess him, and mm-hmm. that was the point when the speech therapist turned to me and said, "Adrian, your son isn't bilingual." By- he's english
0: oh wow that's it, so interesting like, really? yeah
3: to be born and raised in this country yet still yeah. not because it's so that's cool though S- so yeah. Yeah, yeah it is, cool. it is cool. so he was like the danish was
2: coming at the english from the side and mm-hmm. knocking it all off a bit well wow. yeah but we just yeah. didn't see that coming that's wow, fascinating that is. Uh, and, and i'm curious you, you talked about how like the school worked <coughs> with you and, and, and to go through with that way i guess annie as well i mean obviously you your kid you only speak english at home yeah, obviously exactly with all, all six of you only speak english correct how has that been? How, how have the Danish schools reacted to having you be a one hundred percent English family? Adrian, you have a, your wife who speaks Danish is from the system here. You guys yeah. have zero. Yeah. How how has that been working with the schools here in Denmark? Yeah. Acclimating to you as much as you acclimating to it. Mm,
0: yeah, and that is actually like my biggest motivation for learning Danish is because obviously they operate everything in. Danish, despite the fact that they're meant to be learning English by, like, second class. What's funny is that Danish is such a complex language. And, you know, (laughs) you're talking about, you know, this is this kid's emotional language and having different personalities in each language. Mm. I am learning Danish, and I'm excited about it, and I'm motivated to do it. But, like, to be able to convey myself properly in Danish, I can't. Picture that yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm open to it, obviously. Cool. But I do get a lot of comments from teachers being like, oh, you still haven't learned Danish. Because, you know, my <laughs> oldest son has been in the school, you know, three, almost four years. And they're like, oh, we can't take this meeting in Danish. I'm like, well, you, you know, you can, but maybe I won't catch everything. And maybe, you know, it's, it's just, it is complex. And um, I'm very humbled by it. I and, can imagine. Yeah. I,
3: I think the schools have a certain mindset where they. <coughs> they tend to have a, well, you should, th- we'll all be in Danish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 sometimes it can be counterintuitive because it's like, okay, I get the principle you're trying to push across here, but we're also in a room talking about my child's well-being right. and welfare. I would like it if both par- if one parent isn't excluded. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. like, please, we'll work, we'll meet each other halfway, let's do English and Danish. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah, a, in yeah. a meeting so yeah, we can perfect. all, because then everyone is included, because I, as I said to you earlier, I guarantee your English will be better than my Danish. Yes. Yeah. So. I never push for things. Like, can we have it in English? I'll say, is yeah. it okay if we do both? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they're more agreeable to that than That's others. And, mm-hmm. and And I find that a bit of a challenge because it is also 2023 and we're in a capital city in Northern Europe. Yeah. It's not yeah. like I'm asking them to do it in, in Danish and Urdu. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's sometimes the, the resistance I've met can be surprising. Yeah, I think, I think it's sometimes a case of put your egos aside. It's mm. not about sure. us. It's about what's best. Yeah, yeah, yeah for our that's kids. That's so fast. Val- right.
0: Well, it just depends which teacher you're talking to because some of them mm. get really excited about the opportunity to Absolutely. speak English, and they're like, "Yeah, let's try it." But yeah, I, I, I prefer a nice mix because I'm learning too, and so I want to learn all the different words for these, you know, sure. you know, challenges, whatever it is that we're facing.
2: I would like to kind of do a little thought experiment with you guys as well. Oh, okay. So yeah. if Your kids. So, in your case, Adrian, let's say your kids were growing up in London. How would their experience be different, and vice versa? If you happened to be the kid growing up in Copenhagen, how would your experience have been different? What are the maybe the flip flops Mm. between their childhood, your childhood, that would have been different between you guys?
3: Well, I think that there would have been surprise. If if so, we'd flipped over. I Mm. think it'd be surprising how little sort of uh, it may have changed. I mean, I went to school a long time ago. Sure, also. Um, but in my day, be like, okay, well, where, where's this surprising? There's no emphasis. The, all the emphasis in English schools is on academic ability mm. as opposed to, say, the more pastoral things like being kind, being a good citizen. And yeah. that thing. It's definitely, in my day, was not something that was emphasized as much to the detriment of a child's well-being. Yeah. Mm. I look back at my time there. And I, I had a good time at school. I enjoyed it, but I'm very aware of its shortcomings mm. looking back. And my school was an exam factory. And oh, sure! It was sure. all about yeah. bum, bum, bum. They didn't really care how you were feeling and whether you were going under, right? As right. You were trying to cram mm. for your exams. So I think they would be surprised. Why aren't they? You know, why aren't they just playing more? Why aren't they? You know, that mm. would be that would be the thought experiment. Why aren't they teaching each other just to get on with each other and be kind and tolerant and accepting? Mm-hmm. So I think that might be the big contrast that if I was moving over to the UK yeah. as a non-Brit,
2: there's a certain value in that because. Adult life (coughs) isn't a whole bunch of exams, it honestly is. How do you function in a society being kind or figuring things out uh, or interacting a, a, a and that's the value yeah,
3: of it. An yeah, and academia is a bubble. It's uh, oh, yeah. it I it's been in academia thing. in my past. It's it's its own little world and it's yes. not real life. I mean just take <laughs> simple level. When I was at school I learned quadratic equations and algebra, mm-hmm. right? Mm. I would have really liked to have learned accounts and bookkeeping, sure. sure. being self-employed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Just that that's There's more that. useful. Yeah. Just to know how to manage manage one's accounts. Yeah, to have is more some, useful. Yeah,
0: to have some usefulness and then also what you're saying about, you know, learning to get on with one another. Mm. Um, I didn't I didn't do so well in school, but at the beginning of my like academic career, I guess um, I was, you know, established to be in this gifted and talented program. But because there was no, um, you know, teaching how to just have a normal life, how to get along with others, um, you know, I was kind of a nerd. And so I got picked on a lot and then. You know, the impact that that had on my self-confidence, on my social status, mm. that became my main focus instead of my education, instead of my future. Ooh. And, you know, there, my 20s, it was a struggle. It took me a long right. time to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And I don't see Danish kids really going through that. You know, maybe they take a really fun gap year and then they get right down to it. They've got... A pretty clear idea of the person that they are and the sort of future that they want to have. And I think that is such a huge gift. So, yeah, maybe they're not learning to read until they're seven, but they're also not having to, like, grapple with all of these complex social issues. Alone, and that's so cool. That's a really good yeah, point because yeah.
3: you've got your whole life to learn to read and write, right? right. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I like, but no the, those things that are important, mm-hmm. like your, you know, the emotional well-being yeah. and, and confidence, um, self-esteem, all those things are so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's like just a quick example of how sort of out of touch my school was. I really had a good time. I went to an all boys school, oh, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Which I, there is no argument. I can hear from our (laughs) single-sex schools yet they still exist there's no argument that justifies it but what was interesting is that it basically created the boys into two tribes which was basically if you were a kind of nerdy self-conscious shy boy you were scared of girls Mm. and if you were a confident jock you objectified them Mm, right, perfect. and there was nothing in between. No. So, which one of these? Which camps camp do you are you, are want you to be alien? In? Yeah, yeah. You know, because oh, if they tricky. were seen as an other alien species from yeah. the school down the road. Yeah. Like, what there is no, there is no benefit for life for no. that, yeah. having that as your upbringing. Ugh. but that's, uh, that's scary. You know, so, I'm glad that my children do not have that. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No. I think no. if
0: my kids were still in the U.S., my my plan, and this was kind of a big hurdle for me moving over here, is because I was so committed to this. Because of the safety factor and just the education, we were in Portland, Oregon, and Mm. it is a not very well-ranked education system. But my intention was to homeschool them as long as they could, you know, and and using like supplemental education, you know, using resources like museums and, um, you know, other teachers offer classes on top of it. So it wouldn't have just been me, but... Um, it's, it's really interesting to consider, like I was planning to have all of these kids home all the time, not all the time, but a big chunk of the time being really heavy handed in their education and now going like to, they're just in school all the time. I don't know what's going on most of the time because of the language barrier. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's been a really uh, transformative experience, but, um, a really nice exercise in just yeah being humbled um, and uh, figuring out how to get outside
1: of your comfort zone, for sure. Mm-hmm. What a great conversation, and an incredibly important and relatable one for anybody who's going through life in a foreign country, especially in Denmark. Annie and Adrian joined us for two episodes each back in season one. Make sure to go check them out, and we'll be kicking off season two next week with author Carrie Bloomfield, who has a new book out called Nothing Like a Dane. As you wait for Our next episode to come out, you can help our podcast grow tremendously by rating and reviewing what are you doing in Denmark on the platform that you're using right now. It helps other people to find the show and attract even more intriguing guests to share their knowledge with you as the show grows. Thanks for listening today. And thanks for your support, everybody. Hi, hi.